Building Buildwit is a short podcast series telling the story of how Dirt Talk host Aaron Witt went from a lover of the trash truck as a kid to starting the business that became Buildwit. In the last episode, Aaron told the story of working on the railroad all the live long day, the time he came in last place in an estimating competition, and why he started an Instagram account where he could post photos of construction equipment. In episode three, Aaron picks back up telling the story of working for Kiwit, why he moved to Texas, and the events that led to him leaving construction altogether. I'm Alex Horton, and this is Building Buildwit. So Aaron finishes up his junior year of college, and Kiwit pays him to quote unquote move to Washington State. And by move, I drive my Toyota Camry from Phoenix to Seattle myself. They pay me mileage. This was a paid-off car, a used Toyota Camry that costs almost nothing to operate. They are very affordable and practical. So I make my first paycheck. It was still fifteen dollars an hour, but I remember my first paycheck being like four grand. I was, I looked at it and just like, oh my four grand, this is great. I am making so much money right now. The quarry is Beaver Lake quarry back up against the mountains in the, the Cascades, the Northern Cascades, beautiful part of the country, cornfields, fields around us. And they, Kiwit had been in there, I think three or four times prior to that. And it was this specific rock. So it's this really high-density rock that fits the Army Corps' specifications. So they quarry it themselves because they're Kiwit. They do everything themselves. They don't need anybody else. They, they quarry it all themselves. They put it on to low boys. So one rock per trailer, essentially. We would ship it 25 miles to Anacortes, the, the port, small little port. We would unload the rocks with a 988 out there, and then there would be a barge that would come in a big barge with a Lee Bear duty cycle crane on it with these big, this big claw would grab the rocks from the 988s and would stack it on the barge. I think it was 14,000 tons and we were making 85,000 tons of rock, I think it was. So we're in a beautiful place. I'm working for this badass company. They get me my blasting license. So I get my, or my permit to go handle explosives. So I get to go get a permit to handle explosives at 21 because we're doing all the blasting ourselves. Uh, we're working on big equipment, doing blasting, loading every shot. And then I get to go travel on the weekends, working a ton of hours, making a killing best summer of my life by a long shot. We're, we're shooting guns after work. We're doing whatever the hell we want out there. I'm working with a, another young field engineer, but he was full-time John Craig and he's showing me the ropes. And then there's Don Neary, the old time superintendent, kind of, kind of salty but also you can fuck with them a little bit and knew everything about that quarry because he had been in there, you know, the two or three other times it, over the, the 20 years, this guy had been doing everything forever. And then the blasting foreman, Kenny, showed me how to do blasting. And every day I would go up onto the shot. I would learn about the pattern. I would load every hole. So you, I, you know, you go to the, the, the magazine where the explosives are kept you go grab what you need. You go grab the boosters. You go grab the, 
the delays, you go grab the the amfo out of the the semi trailer, you haul it all up to the top of the hill, you put the boosters and delays together, you tie it all together, you put it down the hole, you load everything with amfo. We didn't have a truck or we had nothing fancy whatsoever, so all of the bags were fifty pound bags of amfo, which is ammonium nitrate fuel oil. So you're having to throw all the bags, cut the bags open, load every shot, uh, stem every shot, and then. Every day you'd, you'd clear everything, you'd shoot, you'd clear the shot, and I would submit after every shot. So for the ATF, you have to submit the explosives that were used. You have to do inventory of the magazines to make sure no one's taken home a bag of info at the end of the day in their trunk. I would submit all the blast plans. So here, here are the holes, here are the depths, here's how much we loaded in each hole. Here's the math that checks out. So I said we put, you know, 800 pounds of ampho into this shot. Here's the math to prove that we did consume 800 pounds of ampho. Again, to prove that we were not doing terrorism. And uh, yeah, it was it was badass. I would go hike and explore on the weekends. I was in the Pacific Northwest. It, it's unbeatable. So I'd bring my DSLR with me, my, my, my fancy camera I spent a few hundred dollars on. It was so expensive at the time. And... I figured, why not just start bringing it to work as well? And then my friend had recently got a Phantom 3, I think it was, or maybe a Phantom 4. And that was the first time I'd ever been around a drone. And he let me take it to work and start filming the blasts at the quarry and just take pictures. Because sometimes it was slow and you'd have an hour or two to hang out and watch the operation. So I'd take out my camera, I'd take pictures, I'd take out my drone do some drone photography and I didn't do anything with it. I just liked doing it. There was, there was no formal photography experience whatsoever. And I I wasn't good at it. I wasn't like a good nature photographer. I don't view myself as a good photographer. Aaron had been saving these photos and posting them to an Instagram account. He started called BuildWit. So as Aaron is getting ready to go back to school for a senior year, he gets some interesting news from Kiwit. Kiwit says, well, you, you did a good enough job. This is after Aaron worked for Kiwit over the summer in Washington State. We're willing to give you a job as a field engineer out of school. And so your senior year, you're going into your senior year, and this is August. So you're getting a job offer in August of your senior year of school. You've got it made. So you, you, you have your offer letter. I think I still have it somewhere. You have your offer letter, your salary, I think it was like, 60 grand a year, 65 grand a year. So you're making good money right out of school and you'll be working somewhere. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool. At the same time, I had spent my junior year while I was in school working 10, 15 hours a week at an estimating office for a company called Hayden Building Corp. And I went back to work for them my senior year during the year, a guy named David Laughlin kind of was mentoring me. I was in the estimating department. I was doing takeoffs. So I was on ag tech every day. You get a set of plans. You basically verify the quantities, model out the job on a computer program, model out your cuts and fills, model out your quantities for your concrete and your, you know, your curb and gutter, your pipe, everything like that, and make sure everything checks out for the estimators. So that's what I was doing. Senior year, I started to work more, probably 20 to 25 hours a week while I was in engineering school. So my first year working for Hayden in the estimating department, 
the thing was I'd already had that Kiwit thing kind of set up. So I said, I'm going to go work for Kiwit this summer. But then I came back and they, it was kind of to the point where it's like, what are you going to do after school? I said, well, I got this job off from Kiwit. What do you guys want to do? And at the time I was working on estimating or helping to estimate this CMAR construction manager at risk project where it's not a full set of plans yet. And it's not like here, here's the set of plans, hundred percent. You bid it, you go build it, make it happen. That's a hard bid job. CMAR is more so here's what we want to go do. Here is some of the plans. We've thought this through a little bit. You submit based on your qualifications. And then we kind of design and, and help you know, build this together. It's a more collaborative effort between the project owner, the city, and the contractor. So we were involved in this project way earlier than they were anticipating to start it. I was working on it. It was out in Texas, out in Fort Worth. And I had done a lot of the work on it. And they said, well, we're going to start in May or whatever it was in June of 2017 when you're graduating. What if you came to work for us as a field engineer and you moved to Texas to go build this job? So I kind of evaluate the opportunity and it was either Kiwit, which would have been awesome. They're still probably the best contractor I've ever seen just from a capabilities and efficiency standpoint. They're, they're, they're Kiwit. But I, I thought about it and the project manager I'd worked for in Washington had moved every six months. And so they were doing a job up in like the Bering Sea, for example, and then a job in Vegas and then a job in Moose Jaw and then a job in Kodiak, and then a job in Oregon. It was just like, I could either just bounce around for the next five years to who the hell knows where and get good experience, or I can go to a place I, I know I'm going to end up at. Like, it's more guaranteed. I'm going to go to Fort Worth, Texas. I'm going to go move outside of Arizona, which is what I want to do, and I'm going to go work on a well-rounded project that I've already been working on. So I decided to go with Hayden and I signed my offer letter with them in September. So my senior year, I'm chilling. I'm working for Hayden on the side. I'm trying to pass my classes desperately. I get so close to not passing my, my the last semester of my senior year, which drove me absolutely crazy because it's like I have a good job lined up. I have experience. I'm good to go. But it's this one stupid class that might not, and the the, the professor was just, terrible. Everybody was failing. Like the average on tests was like 40%. Everybody was just getting the shit kicked out of them in this, in this class. I was going to office hours. I was doing everything. I'm terrified of failing foundations. I pass foundations with a 70.0. I graduate. They give me my degree. I get the hell out of town. Aaron packs his stuff into a U-Haul and drives from Phoenix, Arizona to Dallas, Texas. He sets up shop at a house close by and gets to work. So there was a big stadium getting built in the area where Fort Worth does their their big livestock show and all kind of rodeo and all kinds of big events. I think it's Dickie's Arena even. So it's very Western. They have concerts there, I'm sure. So there's building this massive stadium and the road leading from the interstate to the stadium needed to be widened and, and reconstructed and put the power lines underground. And while you're there, do some water lines and do some drainage improvements. So we were tearing up one side of the road at a time, doing the drainage improvements necessary, putting the whole one side of the road back, 
then flapping traffic over and doing the same on the other side. Totally a nightmare. Construction would be way faster if we could just shut the traffic down. So that was the Montgomery Street project. And then the Arlington Heights project was the Arlington Heights neighborhood was right next to Montgomery Street, kind of an older Fort Worth neighborhood that would flood, go figure, uh, due to the lack of infrastructure whenever it rained heavily. So they were building this massive box culvert structure, 11 by 6 box culverts that tied into the drainage on Montgomery Street. So it started at Montgomery Street and went into the neighborhood down a bunch of the different streets. And to put in the box culverts, we had to realign a lot of water lines, a lot of sewer lines. So it was a ton of work to get this massive storm structure into this really narrow street. I think at some point the cut was 30, it was 30 feet deep. So we had a Hitachi 670 in this little neighborhood. Everybody was pissed off. It was awesome. I loved it, but the people there did not love it at all. It was me and another young engineer working for a project manager. And the company had moved out to Texas, but was kind of on its way out of Texas at the time. So it was just kind of us out there on an island. One of my first jobs was finding a place to put a job trailer, which we couldn't find. So we set up in this little former t-shirt printing shop just down the street from the project. And then I became um, a handyman because we had to hang all new doors, put carpet in, paint the place, get some signage. We basically, we were just kind of doing everything. Like whatever needed done, we did. So I started on that project right when it got going, right away from the time I basically videotaped the whole existing state of the project to the time I left, which we had ripped up all the concrete pavement. We were doing a lot of the drainage. It was humming along. It's important to note, on my spare time while I was working for Hayden, on Saturdays, I would go around the DFW area with my drone, and I would photograph other earth-moving operations. So most of it was drone because I could sit in my little Toyota, like a few blocks away from the job, so they didn't know who it was. I'd go into the machines real close. I'd try to be sneaky, take all my pictures. I'd go home. I'd download all of them, and I would edit and clean up clean up a lot of the logos off machines. I remember one company was Cinecola, Mario Cinecola, and their branding is so obnoxious on their machines, yet they run some of the biggest machines in DFW. And it would annoy the hell out of me because I would have to sit there and edit the hell out of like the counterweight of the excavator to get rid of the Cinecola across the entire back end of it. So that's how I was getting most of my content for social media at the time. I was doing that build with my social media account. My build with account was growing pretty nicely at that time. Around this time, Aaron had the opportunity to buy an Instagram account called daily underscore construction. It had 180,000 followers at the time, whereas at Buildwit had around 10,000. Aaron had been chatting with the owner of the daily construction account over the years. And the owner reached out and asked, Hey, you want to buy this account? I'm like, Yeah. I'll buy the page. So I ended up buying this Instagram page. And I might have had with BuildWit like 10,000 followers at the time. But this page was the biggest one. It had 180,000, I remember. And I, I remember getting it like, oh my goodness, this is 
crazy. I have so many people now. And I bought it, but then I just ran it exactly how he always ran it and grew it. Because I had gotten daily construction, there was this Chinese equipment manufacturer, the biggest one in China, XEMG. They reached out because I was a social media influencer or whatever it was. And they wanted to have me out to their factories. So while I was at HSS, I went to China for a week to go tour a bunch of equipment factories because of this social media account. And, and they were, you know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the only American there. I'm apparently this big social media influencer in their eyes. And I'm just like, what the hell is going on? Where, where am I? I'm, I'm in China, like China. What? And they, they paid for the whole thing. I just got on a plane, packed a bag, a carry-on, and went to China, which was a cool, a really cool experience. Really, really cool. So HCSS, the construction, civil construction software company, notices at this point. They see my, my build with pictures. They're following along with daily construction. And they reach out and say, hey, we have this program called I Build America. We want you to interview to become the manager of the program. We're, 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 we need someone to lead it. So I drive, I take a, take a day off work. I drive down to Houston for the day. I interview, I drive back up. But it was a lot of interviews. I had to interview with the CEO and the CFO and, and with Dan. And, and I interviewed, I think, with Kara as well, funny enough. So I interviewed a bunch of people. Um, Jack Briscoe was there. It was the whole gang. It's at this point that some other BuildWit characters enter the picture. That was Kara McDonald. She's now the CIO at BuildWit. Jack Briscoe is the inside sales manager at BuildWit. And last but not least, that was Dan, as in... Dan Briscoe! I'll let Dan himself give some more background. Hi, I'm Dan Briscoe. I'm president at BuildWit. So I, I graduated college in 1990, went straight into the Marine Corps as an officer, uh, spent six, uh, six and a half years there and got picked up by a recruiter as I got out of the military to go into healthcare. So I was in pharmaceutical sales, kind of started working my way up, didn't really like those jobs. Uh, but got over in, eventually over into diagnostics, which I really liked. And so moved my way up and through big companies on the, on the diagnostic side, doing sales and marketing for those companies. Uh, in 2012, my wife kind of turned to me and said, hey, you know, why don't you look at something where you don't have to travel quite as much? And I also wanted to get into a more comfortable industry, really where I could wear blue jeans. And so I told my friends by the end of the year, I'm going to wear in blue jeans. I don't want to travel as much. And so found a company called HCSS, construction software company out of Sugarland, Texas. That was right here in town and went to work for them. It took about three or four months of interviewing. Um, they were very picky and, and knew what they wanted. And so it, it took a while to get on there, but eventually went there as their vice president of marketing. It had a really good run. I, I fell in love with the industry, especially the heavy civil side. I'd never heard of it. You know, to me, construction was big buildings and and residential but kind of fell in love with the equipment side the heavy civil side um and so you know helped them really grow the company had a lot of fun doing that towards the end of um i'd say i'd been there about three years and and the ceo mike ryden um, was talking to skylar and moss and i that's Skylar Moss, who's now the CRO at BuildWit. And he said, I want to give back to the industry. I've always been annoyed 
at, at the public's perception of, of what we do. And I want to help change that perception. We're doing some really neat marketing things. We had run two or three campaigns that had done really well, given a lot of exposure to HCSS and the industry. And he said, what if we could you know, do something, you know, I don't know, maybe call it I Build America. And he said, Let, let's, you know, let's do something that brings the pride into the industry and shows the public and this. And so Scholar and I looked at each other uh, as soon as he walked away and said, that's actually a really smart idea. The next morning, we both got in early. Scott looked up the URL uh, and said, hey, it's $1,600 to, to you know, get I Build America and, and said, buy it. And we kind of took off from there. So collaborated with Mike Ryden, HCSS, other leaders. They kind of put, Mike put a lot of money behind it. The program was really cool. Before I'd gotten there, they'd done some amazing things like Dan, Skyler, some others had put together this, this I Build America program. That was awesome. People were talking about it. I had known about it since I was in college. I had seen it at Con Expo when I went there while I was in school my senior year. So I, I knew who they were. They had done some amazing things, but then it kind of stalled out. Eventually, Dan's son Jack came to him with an idea. Jack said, hey, there's this kid out there talking on social media, showing all his pictures, sounds exactly like I Build America. Like, let's let's showcase what we're doing. Let's show the pride. Let's tell the public. And he said, I think you should talk to him. And so I said, hey, how do we get on the phone? And he, you know, maybe 20 minutes later, I'm talking to Aaron on the phone. And so Aaron interviewed with Dan, along with a handful of other folks. Before the end of that day of interviews, Aaron had a job offer to come lead I Build America at HCSS. He said, hey, I've got big plans. I, I want to really change this industry. Um, and I, and you know, I'll, I'll probably have to do that through storytelling and marketing. And I said, well, why don't you quit your job, come down here, learn marketing from us, run this program called I Build America. I know you won't stay forever, but you can really help us. You can bring that construction experience to our marketing team and take that program to the new level. And even though this wasn't exactly a construction job, the opportunity was something Aaron had to explore. The offer was way too good to refuse. So it was a matter of, well, I guess this is where I'm going now. And a matter of me trying to figure out how to tell Hayden, hey, guys, sorry, <laughs> I know I just came out here and I know I've worked for you for a while, but I'm out. And this is way too good of an opportunity. And, and it's not me going to a competitor. It's me going to a software company that you guys use to hopefully make the industry better. So I hit up my landlord, I break my lease in Fort Worth, I quit with Hayden, I wrap up at the end of two weeks, which was good timing because the project ended up being just an absolute nightmare. So at 22 years old, I was done with construction. You're grizzled, grizzled vet. Yeah, my, my four years of industry experience, I, I am very, very experienced. So Aaron goes to HCSS, which is certainly a different environment than what he was used to since it was, you know, inside. But upon initial evaluation, the I Build America campaign was having some positive effect. It was working. It was great. And it was pretty cool of them to even take something like this on. Because even today, you have all these companies doing very well in this industry, and yet none are putting their money where their mouth are. Very few are putting their money where their mouth, are, mouth is when it comes to workforce development. And, I, and HCSS was like, hey, our customers have this massive workforce problem. Let's go build this movement within our company. We're going to spend a lot of our money to make this happen and help our customers attract people to the industry. 
They just had one vision for it. I had a different vision for it. Uh, it's not that HSS was bad or they just had a very clear vision of what they wanted to do and it didn't match up that well with Aaron's. And it got to a point where that just, I didn't see a future. I wanted to go execute upon my vision. I didn't want to execute upon someone else's vision. And that's, I think this was just destined to happen of me going off on my own. I've always wanted to go off on my own. I'm terrible at being told what to do. If you know Aaron, uh, it doesn't do well in cubicles. I go from being on a job site every day to then working in an, an office at a software company, which was a change to say the least. Going to the same place every day, sitting in the same chair every day, kind of doing the same thing over and over. And eventually things came to a head. I didn't walk into the office thinking I was going to quit that day, but I was sitting there eating lunch just thinking, I don't, I don't want to be here. This isn't my thing. And so that afternoon, I went into Dan's office and said, hey, I'm, I'm done. Uh, and I want to be done Friday. I just want to get back home. I wouldn't let him quit. He says he quit, but we actually put him out on contract and, and said, hey, go shoot photos for us. And I build America. We'll pay you a little bit for it. It wasn't enough to really survive. I break my lease, quit HSS Friday afternoon, drive overnight, get to Arizona Saturday morning, and moved in with my dad. And that was the very beginning, officially, of Buildwin. So Aaron is back in Arizona. You could say he was putting the pieces in place to start a business, but even he says that's a little generous. I feel like a lot of people think building a business is a lot more calculated than it is, or at least has been for me. Like, I didn't write this business plan before I had quit. Oh, so I just need to go follow this plan and, and everything will be fine. I think a lot of people, they want everything figured out before they go take a risk. That's just not how it works. You, you have to go take risks to go accomplish anything significant. And you, you have to go, you have to go jump because when you jump and you go quit your job, there is a lot of motivation there to figure your shit out that isn't there if you have a job. And so some people, if you can go replace your income one for one on the side, Great. Good for you. But that is, that's a pipe dream. And I was fortunate enough because my dad put in 2008 or nine, $10,000 per kid into the stock market when it had collapsed for college and said 10,000 per kid. There you go. Go to college. And I went to college in 2013. So it was quite a few years before it, and I'm the oldest. So by the time it, 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 I got to fre my freshman year, it had grown because if you put your money in anything in the market at that point, it was going to grow substantially. It had grown to $34,000, which is substantial, but it's like you go to USC and it's $70,000 a year for four <laughs> years. So, so 34 grand, that's, that's way more than most people have. But when you're talking college, it's, it's, it's not at all substantial. You can't go get a college education for four years with $34,000. So he, he, he gives me the $34,000 my freshman year. I remember he, tr he just transfers it to me and says, here's what you got for college. You figure it out. I go get a scholarship for all of my tuition. I then somehow, I don't know how the hell I got that scholarship. And, and I got a few construction scholarships too, which is cool. And then I worked all the way through school. So I worked during the school year and over the summer. And when you're in construction, you're working full-time over summer, you make a killing. When you're working 25 hours a week during the school year, 
you're making better money than anybody else. I And then I kept all of that money in the market. So by the time I'd graduated, I had about a hundred grand and a degree, which was honestly just dumb luck. I, I, I wasn't smart and I, I did make some significant money on some investments I had made, but I didn't think I was smart. I was like, this just got like, okay, great. I just doubled 10,000 to 20,000 overnight in this penny stock. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to take my <laughs> chips off the table. This is, this is not because I'm intelligent. This is dumb luck. So with that in mind, Aaron moves back in with his dad, knowing he has some savings. It wasn't very risky in the grand scheme of things. It was, well, I just, I can live for a few years in theory without any kind of income. That took the pressure off of actually creating the business. And so I could create it in the way I wanted to create it, if that makes sense. But I move in with my dad. I don't want any expenses. I want to be able to use this money, stretch it as far as I can. So I don't pay myself for the first few years. And I go to the first person I knew would be interested in having me help them. That was Keaton Turner of Turner Mining Group. Keaton and Turner Mining Group play a pivotal role in getting BuildWit off the ground. And we'll hear from him on the next episode of Building BuildWit. Building BuildWit is produced by Harrison Smith and me, Alex Horton. Thanks for listening.